CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don Cash and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. We got a great show on the docket today to talk with Don. And it uh, looks like you guys had a fair bit of snow there, buddy. So not Texas snow. Well, I, well, I guess you had more, but not Texas cold, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, good thing we don't live in Texas, right? I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, I was looking at some of these pictures last week, and it was downright frightening. People with no heat, no I, I, electricity, I know. ice know. hanging from ceiling fans. I oh, mean, I was like, goodness. wow. They just don't know how to. I mean, they just don't know how to handle it. You know. Yeah, apparently, I know it does get cold in Texas in yeah. the wintertime, right? I mean, I've been but this was like a hundred-year kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, ironically, one of my best friends just moved his son into Austin. Took a new job in Austin right out of college. Okay, you're thinking, hey, it'll be nice down here in the wintertime. We'll get some sun, and you know. Meanwhile, the parents are freaked out. Although he did have. Uh, electricity and heat. He oh, was living in an good. apartment yeah. downtown, so it worked out well for him. But uh, yeah, that is crazy. I mean, we're thinking, you know, that's stuff that you're worried about in New Jersey, right? Leave, right. Losing electricity in, in the wintertime. And fortunately, where we are, we have uh, natural gas heat, so electricity isn't really play too much into it. That's good. Especially if you, have an, if you have a house generator, it's not as much of an issue. Yeah, exactly. So everything else okay? Obviously, you guys got through your little snowstorm there, not, not, too, not too scathed. I'll tell you what, Mark, I think I've not, I don't remember seeing this much snow in a two or three week period of time in years. Mm. There must still be a foot and a half of snow out there. I mean, it's starting to melt quickly. Today was warm. It's going to be warmer tomorrow and this week. So hopefully it'll be, it'll be uh, gone. Kids had a few days off from school. I mean, right. the college kids, though, it really doesn't matter so much. I mean, <laughs> you know, everything it's is all online. online. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Although, get this, they do cancel. I think they canceled classes once or twice. I'm like, why did they do that? You're online. You're, You're doing right. Zoom. You're at home in your going. jammies, right? Yes. They're not going anywhere. But hey, guess what? I found out about a new thing okay. that college kids are into, especially mm. since last year. Uh -oh. Have you ever heard of Chegg? Chegg, C-H-E-G-G, Chegg? No, I'm afraid to ask. What is it? It's not Chug, by the way. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so Chegg, get, it's, it's something I just read about. It was actually in Forbes. Okay. Oh. Uh, it's a service that gives students like quick answers to test questions interesting right? so it's exploded since covid about a year ago mm -hmm. so it was a textbook renting service you know how expensive college textbooks are right oh, yeah. like you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars so you know it makes it much more economical the kid rents the books and sends them back so it developed from a service uh renting textbooks into a service that will answer any question a student has kind of like a Google search, right? Right. So you pay like 15 bucks a month. And so the way it works is there's a bunch of smart kids in India that are <laughs> on standby that give you answers to all of your questions. How about that? Okay. So I'm scratching my head here because it's like, <laughs> I mean, couldn't you just a Google it, right? Cause you just like, it's like a Google search and B then they used to call this cheating when we were in school. <laughs> yeah, that's the criticism. Yeah. You know, apparently uh, most students say that they just use it uh -huh. for like non core classes and tutoring. Right. So if you have a kid that let's say they're an engineering major, but they have to take Shakespeare. Mm, you know, okay. they're, 
they're they're using it for Shakespeare. And uh, it's funny today. I asked my daughter. I said, Carly, do you ever hear of Chegg? And she was like, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, Where did you find out? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So she was telling me about the textbook rental and the fact that you just enter the question into a search bar and you get the answer, you know, right away. Um, but, uh, you know, here's my, uh, my advice for anyone listening. If you have kids or uh-huh. grandkids in college, ask them about Chegg. It'll, it'll open up some interesting conversations and to boot, they'll probably think that you're really cool for even knowing about it. Yeah. Either cool or like snooping on them. One of the two, right? They'll be yeah. like, how do you know that? Like your daughter, damn interesting stuff. Well, listen, let's get into our conversation today. You know, last week we talked about the whole GameStop thing. Our last show, I should say, not last week, but the last podcast show, uh, we talked about that, and the the stock was uh, it's down. You know, it was down uh, to what forty three, I think, today. When I checked earlier today, a lot of people who would never speculate like that often talk about buying good stocks, like the brand names we're all familiar with. You know, like your WalMarts or your Apples or McDonald's or something like that. Is that still a form of speculating, Don? You know, that's a good question, Mark. I mean, a lot of people look at the GameStop phenomenon and and uh, they say, obviously. There's no doubt that that's speculation. Sure, right? yeah. You know, people are are into this like for a short period of time, and you know what? I you and I were joking about this last time. We're about the episode of the King of Queens, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're investing in internet stocks, right? And uh, the, the wife makes a joke saying, "Doug, we're not going to be uh, we're long term investors. Mm-hmm. You know, we're into this for at least two or three weeks." <laughs> <laughs> Long term, <laughs> so that for them that's long term investors. But right. you know, people, you know, they they don't think about buying, like, say, Walmart stock or Apple, like the staples, right? Yeah, they think that's uh, you know, that's not speculating. I, you know, it's a great question. I see this all the time when people gravitate toward these familiar names. Okay. So here in New Jersey, it might be a company that they worked for, um, like Merck or Johnson and Johnson. You know, pharma is a big industry here in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Exxon. There's a, a few big Exxon plants here in New Jersey. So these are major New Jersey employers. And, you know, it's still, in a way, a form of speculating. And here's some invest- investing basics. We spoke about this in the past, but there's a Wall Street approach and an academic approach, right? Okay. So the Wall Street approach is fueled by the media. And a lot of the stuff we're seeing recently, and it leads to what I call three common investor mistakes. And one of them is picking individual stocks. The other two are market timing and track record investing. So these are you know mistakes that not only cost money, but also time, right? That's just really our most precious commodity is time, especially as we get older. So the academic approach is rooted in this idea, Mark, that you can't consistently and successfully outperform by picking individual stocks or timing the market or track record investing. And the best approach is to allocate broadly, right? Rebalance and just simply enjoy your life. So it's called the academic approach because many of these principles are based upon research from institutions like University of Chicago or Princeton, Stanford, uh, Duke, those kind of colleges. So it's the reason my many stock pickers, getting back to the speculating, don't Mm -hmm. like this academic approach because it seems boring. And Mark, you know what? There's no money in it for them. So let's look at the first mistake, right? Picking an individual stock and why it doesn't work. 
So I'll just pick, you know, a brand name stock, a stock, a company that I see a lot here in New Jersey, Johnson and Johnson. I mean, you've all heard of that. Sure. Right? Yeah. By the way, the owners of the New York Jets now. So uh, not a good investment over the past. Uh, they, they've years. been on the owners for a while now, right? Woody, Woody Johnson, I think. That's right. Yeah. And he bought it from another New Jersey family. Uh, Leon Hess. Did you ever hear that name? Yeah, because it used to be Hess Field, I think, for a long Hess time. Hess Gasoline. Yeah, yeah, the stadium was so, Hess, was named after them too, yeah. So it was uh, Leon Hess. But over the past five years, Johnson & Johnson, mm-hmm. we'll look at that. Five, since this date, five years ago, 2016, the stock has gone from $105 a share to $161. So a 53% gain. So a $1,000 investment would have grown to about sixteen hundred dollars. That sounds pretty good. You know, I would. Most people would probably say, "Yeah, I like that." Yeah, I mean, it's on the surface. I mean, that's a pretty healthy gain over sure. five years, right? More than ten percent, right? But there's a saying. There's an old saying: "Nothing is good or bad until you compare it to something else." Right? <laughs> okay. So over that same time frame, a very simple S and P five hundred index fund is up 97%. Versus 53. Right. Okay. So a $1,000 investment would have grown to about $2,000. So it might be slight differences with dividends and things like that. But fundamentally, the idea, Mark, is a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Right? Have you ever watched, um, I'll give you a good example. You ever watched one of those home improvement TV shows where they buy a house, they restore it, they sell it for a profit. They call it house flipping. Yeah, there's, oh God, there's so many of them now, right? And they show you the before and what they paid for it and then how much they spent on the renovation and then what they sell it for and then the profit. Yeah. You know, I personally, I love these shows. I'm a little addicted to these, Mark. They give you some good ideas sometimes. You do. I mean, in fact, I want to renovate my kitchen and bathroom. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking these people are like, they have a much better eye than I do for (laughs) this stuff. So you do get good ideas from it. But, you know, often they're in California for whatever reason. Maybe it's as close to Hollywood. Vegas or something. Yeah. Vegas, another place, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the California shows, right? They buy this simple three bedroom. Two bath rundown house <laughs> for like five hundred thousand dollars. It's crazy, which I think is outrageously expensive. No, it is. They probably bought it for fifty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty-two. Right, uh, but they put a hundred thousand dollars of renovation into it, and they sell it for a profit. That's the idea. Right. So, but you know, many of these house flippers actually lose money because the market just won't demand more than a certain price. For the house, right? So, right. Yeah, sure. you know, if they're lucky, they make some money. Sometimes they make good money, and sometimes they kind of break even. What they don't mention that though is that if the housing market is hot like it is right now, right? It's torrid hot. All of the homes in the area will increase in value, right? Not mm-hmm. just the one that you bought and you flipped. So I look back in time to 2008 when the real estate market crashed. And all the homes went down in value, no matter what kind of value the buyer of this flipped home thought it would be worth. It's kind of the same with stocks. Hmm. So if you think you're going to be picking a good stock, like whether it's these venerable names like Johnson & Johnson or Walmart or GE, all of the known information is available about to the, that company to millions and millions of investors all around the world. So 
for example, if the price of the stock is $100, the market's just telling you that's what it's worth. So if the going price for a home in your neighborhood is, let's say, I don't know, $500,000, right. that's what the market is telling you that all of the homes in the area, like your home, is worth. So, you know, it's tough to get that into someone's mind, though. You know, we all think that our house is always worth a little bit more, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess what I'm what I'm taking from that then, Don, is if you know anyone or if you're even yourself are using things like Robinhood or, or SoFi or E-Trade or whatever, that really they're not really that likely to, I guess, quote unquote, beat the market then. Yeah, exactly. And okay. it's, it's really a difficult concept to, to get your mind around, right? So there's always going to be outliers, right, that will beat the market, like the person that bought Tesla stock a year ago and made outside gains, right? But mm-hmm. I would have known that a year ago. Hey, DoorDash. <laughs> if you'd had DoorDash, DoorDash a couple Dash, of years ago. Yeah. Instacart, another right. good example, right? Mm-hmm. But statistically, it's kind of like flipping a coin and coming up heads five straight times it happens right but it's very very rare and another thing we talked about before right regarding these people that are buying and selling stocks and being doing this on e-trade or on robin hood or any of these sites who wants to be stuck in front of their computer or their cell phone watching the stock market results it does not add to the quality of your life well, that's why I mean, day traders are younger a lot of times, right? <laughs> they are. That's yeah. why we had this message last time on the show. And, yeah. you know, our clients aren't doing this, obviously. Sure. But a lot of their family members are, maybe their kids or their grandkids are getting into this. So the idea is if you own an index style fund, diversify, rebalance, maintain patience and discipline, kind of like that academic approach, mm-hmm. you can move on with the rest of your life and do things like spend quality time with your family and exercise, take walks, go to the beach, travel when things are safe, you know, volunteer, play a sport, uh, learn a language, play the piano, you know, walk, read. You know, one of the things I know I've learned with my family is that uh, with a lot of time being spent home, I've encouraged them to play the piano. My youngest daughter really is into it. She's learning some Billy Joel songs, nice. the piano man and mm-hmm. the stranger. It's kind of cool. She's got like a nice Casio organ too. And she picks it up so easily, which is beautiful. So I bought a harmonica, Mark, because I want to <laughs> do the intro to piano man. I'm saying, I'm gonna, this harmonica's got what is that, like seven holes in it. Oh, How yeah. hard could it be? It's hard. <laughs> it's torture. Yes. But it's, you know what? It's a fun anyway to do it, to learn and, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about, you know, not doing the stock picking and all this market timing is likely you'll have a better quality of life and you'll do better financially as well than the person picking stocks and really worrying about the market. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about that before, but especially if it's not your avocation that you're doing all the time, it's just, why do you want to, what's your time worth, right? What's your value for yourself and all those kinds of things. So that's a great point. And you've said, Don, you know, that there's a million things to worry about in retirement. And of course, investing is one of those. But I mean, there's still all the other little things that we cover from time to time on the podcast as well. IRA rules, you know, social security issues, health coverage worries, long-term care, legal issues, wills, power of attorney, you know, on and on and on. And that's why really you do need to turn to 
you know, a CFP, a CPA like Don to make sure that you can go through some of these issues and have them addressed. And that's why we also offer the 15-minute meeting. You can have a conversation with Don. You can reach out to him. If you're listening to the podcast, we always appreciate your time. You can spend a few minutes and talk with Don about your situation. 800-664-1183 is how you reach out to him. 800-664-1183. You can also check him out at his main website, which is donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. So just lots of ways you can reach out and get in touch, uh, I think, is always a good idea, right? Absolutely. And Mark, you know, a question when we get back to this 15 minute meeting or even meeting with clients Mm -hmm. that I get is, you know, what do I think about the economy and how it relates to retirement planning? I get this, by the way, all the time, not only from meetings with clients, but with family and we get together with friends. And, you know, generally I'm optimistic. I mean, I think things are looking up. We've talked about that before. But that being said, uh, we construct portfolios and invest for the next 10 or 20 years not the next 10 or 20 months. And you should always know the risk and historical returns in your savings, not simply trust it's going to all work out, right? So, um, you know, on to the other two investor mistakes we talked about. The other two are track record investing, Mm -hmm. Mark, and Mm -hmm. market timing. Right. So the track record investing is especially common with 401k plans, right? It goes like this. Let's figure out where to put the money in a 401k. It works this way with an IRA too. But let's look at the mutual funds with the four or five star ratings and choose them. I mean, they must be the best ones, right? They got four or five star ratings. (laughs) When we were in school, did we all want the gold star and stars are good? So Mm -hmm. the more stars, the better. For some reason, they stopped at five. I don't know if there's no six-star rating. but the, not, yeah. the problem is, is that, you know, if we look at the last five or 10 years, it really tells us nothing about what's going to happen in the future, right? So what we want to know about is the next five or 10 years, not the, the last five or 10 years. So Wall Street is really big on this. And the internet is filled with advertising for fund managers who pick the last stock market crash or you know, had the best performing fund over the past five years. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, that all sounds fantastic. But to your point, it's not looking necessarily forward. It's just looking back. Yeah, and, you know, it's just human nature, right? We we have something called recency bias, right? Right. We look at what has happened in the past, the recent past, and project it forward into the future. I mean, we're living through this in the past year, right? I mean, there's a lot of anxiety now that didn't exist uh, a year ago oh, yeah. and we're kind of projecting that to some extent into the into the future but you know i compare it a lot mark to a major league baseball season so it's baseball season's coming up and i'm really looking forward to it spring training is right around the corner mm-hmm. and there's 162 games <laughs> right. for each team 30 teams so there's something like 2400 games a year i kind of just added this up so if we're in the middle of may as an example and the baltimore orioles win five games in a row and the yankees lose five games in a row it doesn't mean the orioles are going to win the world series right true it could be 10 games in a row that they win and you know of course we all know that it wouldn't be a good idea to bet on the Orioles in the next five games based on the <laughs> previous five games. I like that. That's a good way of putting that. So in the investing world, five years, I suppose you could say, is kind of like five games or so in baseball. You, it's just 
You need more time to make a judgment. Absolutely. And that's the difficulty that people, you know, really don't get that in, in, uh, in the academic approach to this, you'd look back not over five or 10 years, but over 20 years or 40 or 50 or 70 or 80 to try to uncover trends. So the longer, the better when it comes to getting enough data to judge these things about where to invest. But, you know, we've talked about this before. The last leg of the stool for the Wall Street approach is market timing. You know, that's the idea that you can zig and zag in and out of markets by predicting what segments are going to do better than another. And, you know, you really, I say this in tongue in cheek, you need a good crystal ball for that to work. <laughs> right. And or magic perfect, eight ball, either one. Right. Yeah. Magic eight ball, <laughs> crystal ball, however you want to look at it. I mean, the perfect example of this mark is what happened a year ago, right? Sure. With the virus. Yeah. You know, we've said this a hundred times, the stock market reacts to news the news is unpredictable, so the stock market's unpredictable. And you know, two of the leading academics involved in this type of, of investing is Professor Gene Fama and Harry Markowitz, both with um, University of Chicago, and they've both won Nobel Prizes in economics mm -hmm. for their research and theories on this. So I'll be on a conference call, a Zoom meeting, everything is Zoom now, with Professor Fama in two weeks to discuss a range of these issues oh, related nice. to things like the economy, investing, and other issues related to retirement. But for Gene Fama, it took 30 years for his theories to be recognized and validated and um, and for him to be awarded a Nobel Prize about, I want about six or seven years ago. So another topic we'll be discussing in that meeting is uh, something called behavioral finance, and this is a study of how our brains kind of trick us into making bad decisions based on emotions and instincts and perceptions. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We should talk more about that on the uh, the next show then uh, coming up absolutely. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, you know, again, Don, we, we try to bring useful nuggets of information you know, to the podcast uh, every couple of weeks we do these. So hopefully folks find something they can relate to and we share some good information along the way and hopefully a couple of little anecdotes as well that they can tie into. And if you've got questions or concerns, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you should always check with a qualified professional before you take any action on something here from our show or any other show, financially speaking. We all have some general uh, universal things that apply to us all in retirement, but there's still that individual, you know, uniqueness that is each person's financial footprint. So give Don a call if you got some questions, need some help. He's a CPA and a CFP. 800-664-1183 is how you can reach out to him at 800-664-1183. Do us a favor. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the content. Your Money and Your Life. You can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, various platforms. Just type in Your Money and Your Life in the search box of whatever app you're using. Using. You can find it that way, or you can find it at Don's podcast website, which is doncashpodcast.com. That's doncashpodcast.com. All right, my friend, let's get up out of here this week. Thank you for your time. As always, I hope you have a great uh, meeting with those folks coming up, and I'll talk to you shortly after that. Be well, Mark. We'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.